I'm excited about this one. This is a. Uh, this is going to be interesting. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, and now I. Um, I realize that there are a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different ideas, and I just can't cover them all. Just can't do it. So, um, so we're just going to hit uh, hit what I feel like the Lord is is saying to us uh, to us today. So, um, I want to preface the word with a uh, with a couple of things. Psalm twelve six through eight. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in an earthen furnace, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will guard us. You will protect us from this generation forever. The wicked wander everywhere, and what is worthless is exalted by the human race. So, Lord, we come to you, and we recognize that you have the pure words your word is life. Your word is like silver, refined, is fresh, it is new, and it is good, and it is restorative to our souls. And you are the one who protects us. You guard us. And the wicked, they follow after everywhere, anything, and anywhere that the world takes them. But you, you protect us. Timothy, can I get you to come on up? He's going to be my, he's going to be my, um, my reader for today. It's in 1 John 4.16. God is love. Wait, you, I thought it said love is love. Is it not? What does it say? It, it, it says God. Oh, oh God. God. God is love. Oh, okay. All right. Um, hey, Timothy. Uh, I so value you. Um, you are you are one of my dearest brothers, and I look to you for strength. You are you are a source of strength to me, and um, and my life uh, would be different if you weren't in it. Your um, your your sacrifice to us it uh, it builds us up. Our our church is is built up because of what you give and how you serve. And um, you are a, a man um, truly um, worthy of admiration by, by, by the world around you. you. You show the world and you show us what Jesus looks like. So thank you. Yeah, God is love. Thank you. The, uh, the Bible writers, they wrote letters to the church of God dispersed throughout all the Roman Empire. And they were, they were people who actually walked with Jesus in the flesh. They saw with their own eyes and they heard with their own ears. Um, we're going to read John, 1 John 1. One through three. And here's what it says. This is the the disciple John who actually laid his head on Jesus' chest. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. 
that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we declare to you so that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. Okay, now, this message is, I want to make it clear, it is not to shame you but rather to warn you, okay? No one in here, just know no one in here is being called out. No one in here is being singled out. Um, But we are warning you about the anti-kingdom of God ways of the world. Repentance is not a shame-filled reaction to sin that has been exposed. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is a joy-filled response to truth and beauty that has been revealed to us. I'm going to explain a few things that the world is trying to get you to believe. One, the world wants you to believe that it is impossible to know the nature of truth and that it is impossible to purely perceive and understand truth because your mind has been socially constructed by the culture. And because you are a product of the culture, you can't know the truth because of your inherent biases. Um, It's impossible to know the truth because it all seems so very different to each of us. We all have different experiences in life, and we all see truth differently. So the world offers you a term that you can use. Okay? This um, glorifies this idea that it has implanted in your mind. The world tells us that there is no absolute truth, but there's something called your truth. You You know that term, your truth? Speak your truth. There's your truth. There's your truth. And there's your truth. So here's what a, here's what your truth is. What is true for you isn't necessarily true for someone else. Your truth is true no matter what anyone else says. Your truth is true because it's what you feel and what you experience. You can't control what you feel and experience. What the world is telling us, church, is that the Bible is great and fine if you want to to believe that all that stuff. That's fine. But it's arrogant to say that your God is the only God. It's arrogant to say that Jesus is the only way. Because other people have their own ways. They have their truth, which may be different than your truth. Everybody tracking? So when you start to say that your God is the only God, that's when you start moving into being unloving because it's, it's loving to accept and include and tolerate uh, people of different beliefs and ways of thinking. And when you don't affirm people in their truth, you're actually rejecting them and walking in hate. That's, that's what the world is telling us. And... When you don't affirm them where they are in their experience, 
then you're actually tearing them down. You're dehumanizing them. When you don't affirm them in their lifestyle, it's your fault that they are feeling uh, the sting of rejection and the pain of life and that because they aren't accepted by you. Therefore, do better. That's, that's the world's response. Do better. So another thing that the, the world wants you to believe is that love, love is defined by your own terms. It's defined by you on your own terms. It isn't defined by anyone else but you. Love is love defined by however you want to define it. There are no boundaries to love. There are no boundaries to how you choose to express your love. And the world wants you to think that you can define what love is. Love is love, so they say. And because love is defined by each individual, it is therefore unloving to not accept someone else's definition of love. Another thing that the world wants you to believe is this. Because you decide what your truth is, and since you can define love on your own terms, therefore, you are enough. We've heard that. We've heard that before. You are enough. Found within you is everything that you need. Found inside of you is the pinnacle of the beauty of your truth. All the goodness of human nature resides in you. Just believe that you are enough. But Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. That completely goes against your truth. It goes against the notion of you are enough. It goes against the, the mean, this all goes against the meaning of the cross. If you are enough, if you are enough, then it negates the meaning of the cross. It's pride month, y'all. And God is not culturally fashionable. He's not. The domain of this world stands in stark contrast to the kingdom of God. So here's the world. The world is the broad path of conformity to itself. The kingdom is the narrow way of surrender to the king. The world seeks to conform the individual from the outside in, promising inclusion, admiration, comfort, status, success in exchange for conforming. Profess the proper ideologies, say the correct buzzwords, own the right stuff, support the right causes, condemn the individualist, applaud the collectivist. The world is the realm of the many at the expense of the one. The kingdom is the realm of the one in service to the many. The world is the realm of striving, striving for identity, striving for love, 
striving for significance, purpose, success. And the kingdom of God is the realm of rest. Resting in your identity. Resting in his love for you. Resting in your significance, which is found in him. Resting in his victory. Jesus made, he made two remarkable claims. He said, I am the truth. He is the total embodiment of truth. Many people on earth claim to find various measures of truth, but in Christ is found all truth. All the treasures of truth are found in him alone. He is preeminent in truth. He said, I am the truth. And nobody else can make that claim. Second thing he said, he said a lot of things, but he said, you must be born again. You in and of yourself are not enough. You must be born again by the spirit of God and become a new creation. The old must die and pass away. You must be born again. So from, from this standpoint, we're going to proceed to weigh what the Bible has to say about the, about the, word, the, the ways of the world. Um, I was listening to a, uh, to a Billy Graham sermon here not too long ago. And, uh, and one of the things he does that I really like, he says, he'll be talking, preaching, and he says, the Bible says. And when he says that, there's, there's this there's this drop of that's that's authoritative and true and i i i love how he does that and um so we're going to see what does the bible say so now remember what the what the world wants you to think that there is no absolute truth but there is your truth and when you don't affirm someone in their truth and their experience in life then you are rejecting them and putting them down and shutting them out. It's unloving uh, to not affirm someone in their perception of reality. Okay? Your, your feelings don't reveal truth. They only reveal what you believe to be true. Okay? Your feelings don't reveal truth. They only reveal what you believe to be true. So let's go to 1 John Chapter 4, verse 17 and 9, verses 17 through 19. It says, In this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are not as he is in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love. Because he first loved us. All right, now let's think this through. We love because he first loved us. We rest in his love. We are seated in his love. And because we are there in his love resting, we do not have fear of punishment. His love drives it all out, and there is no fear in love. Now the world says that you should fear the judgment of man 
It says that other people are causing you pain because they are not affirming you where you are in your experience. Okay, so if you, if you judge their lifestyle to be sinful, then you are bringing down your punishment on them. And therefore, you cannot come into that place of judging because you are the one damning them in your judgment of their lifestyle. So if you don't affirm someone in their false perception of reality, then you are the one bringing the punishment into their life. Transgender people are committing suicide because of you, because you aren't affirming them. Do you see how this worldview makes you a complete victim? Do you see how this disempowers you? The ways of the world make you a victim. But we, church, can rest in the Father's love. He calls us victors. We don't fear the punishment of the world. And we don't fear the punishment of God. So the world requires that you conform to its ideologies and that you earn your place for its love. But we love one another because he first loved us. When you aren't allowed to have an opinion that goes against the world's ways, you rest in his love. So while the world here strives for, it demands that you affirm the delusions about gender and sexuality and love. We rest in the one who is truth himself. We rest in the one who is love himself. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. It says, Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does God's will remains forever. LGBTQ pride is the embodiment of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle. Pride is aptly named pride. It, it is actually so prideful that it demands your celebration of it. It demands your conformity to it. It demands your submission to it. It demands your love for it. And if you don't celebrate it and conform to its demands, then you're a bigoted hater, you're a transphobe, you're a toxic Christian. Don't fall for the name-calling games. Rest in the identity that God has given you. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. Do not give in to pride's demands. The world with its lust is passing away. It's passing away. The, the LGBTQ agenda will fade away into history and future generations will look back at this time and think how stupid, how foolish how could they possibly confuse the genders? How could they possibly mutilate children's genitalia? How could they possibly 
think that it was okay to teach in public school that it's okay for boys to be girls and girls to be boys. Your truth doesn't exist. The truth is knowable, and he is Jesus Christ. Um, the, the world says that, that love is love. It's a meaningless and circular definition. A woman is someone who identifies as a woman. It's a meaningless and circular statement. But what does the word of God say? What does, what does the Bible say? Let's look at 1 John 4. Let's go back to 4. Verses uh, 7 through 10. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not, know, does not love does not know God. Because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. All right. Love is very simply defined here. It's not a circular definition. Love comes from God. Love originates from him. It doesn't originate from us. We do not define what love is for ourselves. It was revealed to us so that we can know what love is. God sent his son to a world with a circular definition of love to show us what love is so that we might live through him. He revealed love to us. Romans 5, 8 God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, defining love for ourselves, defining truth for ourselves, he still came and died for us. God is love. The originator of truth and love said, I am love, God is love, but you think that you can define that. You think that in this tiny little sliver of a few decades that you have, across the whole span of eternity, that you can define what love is. You think that you can define an infinite reality based on your feelings, based on your small window of experiences in light of all of eternity. You can define God. You can define love. Love is love is an absolute lie from hell. It, uh, it will not last. It will pass away. Um, worship team, can you all head on up here? Any identity, Johnny, Johnny said something similar to this earlier. He said, any identity that you have that doesn't come from God's love is going to be messed up. Any identity that you claim that doesn't come from union with Christ needs to be transformed by him. So are there any parts of you that have been conformed to this world, any ways of thinking that have been conformed to this world? Come and receive his transforming love.
Does it feel impossible to change those identities that you have built up for yourself? Come and let us lay down what is impossible to him. Are you conformed to this world and its ways of thinking? Come and be born again. Repentance, remember, is not a shame-filled reaction to exposed sin. It is a joy-filled response to revealed truth and love. Surrender yourself to truth and love himself and let us let him reveal himself to you.